Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. It was a unit complex, and uh, I called my uh, uh, office Suite 10, of such and such street, Wollstonecraft, and everybody thought it was like a part of an office block, but it was it was part of a residential building in Wollstonecraft <laughs> at the time. So that was something that was uh, a bit of innovation there. Hey! This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors, find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategy. I'm Taran Shum and in this episode of Property Investory, we're speaking with Garth Brown whose interest in business and experience in property inspired him to start his own conveyancing business out of a residential block in Wollstonecraft. So, what does Brown do in any given day? I operate a uh, specialist conveyancing firm on the lower north shore of Sydney, Brown and Brown Conveyances, and uh, I help people uh, buy and sell property from the legal point of view when it comes to titles and contracts and putting their names on different titles and different ownerships of titles. Brown provides his clients with personalized services which not only protect their assets but their state of mind as well. My role with helping clients is um, two things. Stress um, protection and asset protection. So it's a very, very um, uh, stressful time when you're buying and selling property because there's so many parties involved. But if you're able to provide solutions and be there to coach people and be available when someone's got a question or give them some information in advance, that really does reduce the stress and the worries that are involved in a property transaction. It's not just throwing someone's name on a title. There's a lot of other checks and balances, plus you're managing people's emotions as well. But you've got to show that you care about what you do and are able to um, preempt what the next stage will be or what's going on with a person's mind. When it comes to property investing, Brown believes in making a few strategic purchases in the right locations. I'm a very cautious property investor. Um, I really think it gets back. You've just got to you've got to make the right moves. So. Um, I don't overinvest, but I just have enough that there's enough bit of a buffer there and for um, for later on in life. I don't go overboard with it, but I just have enough to get by with. Because I, I do find a lot of people tend to overinvest um, and go a bit overboard when it comes to property investment. But if you buy in the right areas, you don't have to go overboard. You can You don't have to be under that much pressure when it comes to investments. Spending his childhood in rural New South Wales, Brown studied accounting at university where he happened to source some money which he put into his very first property investment. I grew up in Orange in central west New South Wales, out in the country, out near Bathurst. 
Look, it was a great life out there. It was great to grow up in a, in a country town like that. Um, I finished my year 12, uh, and then I went to work at a small country council outside of Orange, in a place called Molong. And um, I was sort of working full-time for someone, and there was too much... Um, I wasn't in control of my life, and uh, it had a lot to do with people that you work with there. It was my first job out of school, and I didn't really like it. So I ended up leaving there, um, and then I started... Um, and while I was still there, I was studying to um, study part-time through Charles Sturt University of Bathurst, studying accounting. So when I left the council, uh, I had to pay my way through. So a friend of mine said, why don't you try window cleaning? So um, I got a bucket, um, a brush and a squeegee. He made some cards up for me and said, all right, we'll give this a go. Anyhow, I went around town just asking different shop owners uh, about possibly cleaning their windows and um, this business just took off. I had work coming in left, right and centre and um, that was able to put me through university. And then uh, toward the end of university days, I won a scholarship and um, it was something like $2,000. This is back in about 1991 there. And um, my mum said there's a block of land up the road there you can um, be good to put your money onto that rather than waste money on cars and things so I went and brought a block of land while I still had six months left to go at university that's great I still had money coming in from my window cleaning and I had uh, a scholarship to pay for a deposit on a block of land so <laughs> it was uh, it was unheard of so um, <laughs> any other and then after I finished uh University six months later, just straight out of uni, I was able to build a house, um, and uh, that was an interesting experience. I didn't do it myself, but I had a, a friend of mine. I was thinking about doing it myself, but in the end, I think it was better just get a builder in to do it and save all the stress. They know what they're doing, and um, yeah, I was able to leave like the kitchen out, and I went down to an auction down in Sydney, and my brother and I put on a uh, bought this kitchen at auction, brought it back and put it into the house. It was something like an eighteen thousand dollar kitchen for three thousand dollars, you know. Uh, so we put that in. Uh, we did a bit of painting as well um, of the house and also the landscaping. We didn't do any of the other um, activities like tiling. That's all specialist and bricklaying. But uh, yeah, I was able to uh, get that house up and running, and then. Uh, if anybody's building a house, I really recommend to them uh, it's brack-baking work, but try and get the landscaping, the driveway and the fences included because it's a big job. Soon, he stumbled upon conveyancing, which interested him enough to jump into another course. Then after a while, you know, I started, um, I read an article in the paper about um, uh, people doing, um, starting up a conveyancing business down in Sydney. Anyhow, I read about this story. I thought, gee, that sounds a good sort of job, you know, where you um, can um, have your own business, you can help people and buying and sell property, which I had an interest in. And I thought, okay, I'll do that. I'll enrol in the Macquarie course. So I um, went down to Macquarie University uh, part-time for two years and uh, completed the course there without any uh, experience or, um, uh, yeah, just fresh. I didn't – half the time I was just trying to work it out as I went along. Um, uh, rather than do on a full-on law degree because why do that when you just need to do that to do what you want to do? So I was interested in property. Um, 
I mean, I didn't want to be a bean counter counting beans as an accountant, really. Uh, I sort of had that experience when I was working for the council, but I just learned from that job that um, working for someone wasn't really going to get me anywhere on dead tax each week. I mean, the tax system is set up for um, people who are self-employed. It's the only way to get ahead. Being around property-minded parents when he was young also had an influence on him. They were talking about property um, yeah, even when I was a kid and things like that. It was interesting, you know, um, how you lease a property and what to look for and um, that sort of stayed with me as a kid and um, I was able to uh, use that interest that I had in that area, you know, the different forms of title that you can have. Uh, my father's a surveyor, so he used to talk to me about boundaries and things and half the time understood, half the time I did. Um and my mum was sort of a part-time investor as well. We did a bit of help them out with some renovations on some homes with painting and de- demolishing and things like that. And, uh, you know, the importance of landlord's insurance. Um, I remember my parents um, had a house in Orange Air and there was a wood fire because it gets really cold out there. And um, uh, one of the rental people decided to throw petrol on an open fire, which was absolutely crazy. And the house, part of the house caught on fire and, Lucky we had landlord's insurance because it caused so much damage to the house, you know. So um, just those experiences you have along the way, you never forget them. You always manage your risks with insurance, um, house insurance and landlords and even life insurance. So many people running around without life insurance. After moving to Sydney to stay conveyancing, Brown began searching for a job in the field. I was able to sell my window cleaning business and that put me through university at Macquarie there. So I moved down and uh, then I went to the uh, professional body, the Australian Institute of Conveyances. And I said, look, I'm looking to job. I've you know, finished the, the course and the lady said, there, look, we've just had somebody ring in, a barrister from over in the lower North Shore. I had no idea where, what the lower North Shore was. <laughs> so I rang him up and I said, look, and the place I was staying at, the friend, my friends there had a fax machine. I never used one before. <laughs> so I said, can I fax you my uh, resume? So he said, yeah, send it through. So I faxed it over and I didn't, you know, what was going to happen. And he had two days later, he rang me back and wanted to come in for an interview. Um, and then uh, I was, um, went for an interview, got the job, and then I started three days later. And I was working on the uh, Wanda Kia project down there at uh, North Sydney, uh, around Wollstonecraft Bay there. It was a 300-lot off-the-plan development. And that was amazing because we had people from um, Hong Kong, Singapore, land at the airport, come out in the morning, meet with an agent, sign a contract in exchange for a million-dollar property. This is back in just before the Olympics. And then um, back on the, uh, the plane that afternoon back to Singapore or Hong Kong or China. I mean, those sort of numbers in the country are unheard of. And um, I think what the reason was that it was better value property in Sydney than it was in Hong Kong and Singapore. Because the value over there is very, very high as well. So they probably get more out of what they buy in Australia compared to Singapore. And even with the uh, apartments here, they're all fitted out. Whereas I understand in those places, it's not. You've got to fit in the kitchen and all that. You just buy the floor space. So um, now that was an interesting experience. So... You know, doing FIRB reports and um, getting contracts signed with the company director and um, all these different easements. And uh, it was affected by, uh, it was contaminated land at the time. Um, so they were able to um, 
put a concrete casing over the top and then put the uh, natural dirt that's not contaminated on top on one side of the property. Um, and you had all these um, community property like tennis courts and gyms and pools and things. After attaining some experience in his new chosen career, Brown made that courageous decision to start his own business from his lounge room. After about three years, uh, I decided to go out on my own. And um, uh, because that project was coming to an end and I had a lot of experience and off the plan, which was I was very lucky to, to obtain that. And uh, then I started from my, uh, from my lounge room in my apartment that I brought at uh, Wollstonecraft. Um, yeah, because I sold my property in Orange, I was able to get a deposit down in a place around uh, Wollstonecraft there. And it's uh, it was a unit complex. And uh, I called my uh, uh, office, you know, Suite 10 of such and such street Wollstonecraft. And everybody thought it was like a, a, a part of an office block. But it was it was part of a residential building in Wollstonecraft <laughs> at the time. So that was something that was... Uh, bit of innovation there and um look it was tough going in the beginning and uh you know going around seeing different agents but i really found what helped me a lot was um doing some education seminar works with some of the mortgage brokers of the big four banks down at north sydney and some at aussie home loans up at chatswood and i was able to get um some good referrals from those ones from there Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Brown's property investing journey on which properties he chose to invest in. Just going, just going back with that Wollstonecraft property because it was in a shambles when I brought it. Then I was able to, um, you know, we had to demolish the kitchen. So again, I went out to a kitchen auction. How he added value to his portfolio. And it come up like a new kitchen for about $300 with, with me just doing the labour. And it must have improved the, the value probably by about five grand, five or eight grand. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Western Australia is tipped to be the next property hotspot. If you're looking to invest and build in WA, take advantage of the affordable land market and record build times with Plunkett Homes. Visit propertyinvestory.com forward slash build to find out why they are WA's most established home builder. With over 150 years of experience, Plunkett Homes helps you develop turnkey homes across WA. To get your fixed price demolition or site works and to maximize profits and minimize time, visit propertyinvestory.com forward slash build. And now back to the show. Investing into his office space and home in Wollstonecraft was a turning point in Brown's investing journey. Out at um, Smithfield, somewhere out there. Uh, this is from my orange days, I learnt that. Uh, bought some parquetry flooring, you know, uh, discounted prices. Um, was able to put in a false ceiling with that um, vermiculite ceiling, you know, that sort of concrete coating you see on some ceilings from the 70s. It's terrible stuff. So, you know, brother and I were able to put some um, beams up there and put the chip rock ceiling up. And uh, we sprayed out the, uh, had someone come in and spray out the bathroom. So it was like a brand new bathroom with some of that um, spray the tiles uh, services that you can have. And that's worked quite well. It hasn't had any, doesn't seem to have any wear on it or show that much wear of it in the, in the bathroom. And then 
also, too, there was a lot of money in the sinking and admin fund and nobody cared in this building. Absolutely no one cared. So uh, when I got onto the board there, we upgraded all the gardens and painted the place out and put security in and new carpets and it turned into a really nice, clean uh, complex. So you got involved in the strata as well? Yeah, yeah, because there's all this money sitting there, but no one cared. They were flat out even getting a quorum to an annual AGM. And... (laughs) People just paid the levies and said, well, someone else can sort it out. So, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> so that was an interesting experience. Um, and it helped to increase the property value and the equity that I had in the property. Oh, it's worth over a million, probably 1.1, something like that. With a clear talent for renovations, he also applied his knowledge to his wife's investment property in Melbourne. I got married a few years later and um, my, um, my wife uh, had a place down in uh, Melbourne. And, um, you know, when, after we were married, we, we come down and um, we decided to put up a, a front fence, which increased the valley. Nice, simple front fence. Um, Merbu front fence was steel posts, none of those timber posts. And uh, we were able to fill in the side carport and put a nice garage door on that. So it really became a lock-up garage and improved the outside of the property. It probably put on about 15 grand just doing those small things like that. Um you know, for the cost of about five. And then on the outside, I said to my wife, oh, my goodness, I can't stand this um, painting weatherboard, you know, weatherboard, a weatherboard house every seven years. Why don't we just put some, you know, uh, put some cladding on it, you know? Anyhow, we, we, you know, rung around and a couple of people turned up with quotes and decided on it. And, yeah, you know, the cladding's been on here for about, oh, probably about 14 years. And... Um, at the time, we were renting it, so we are able to claim some of that as a deduction off our rental for the year. So um, that was another good thing. Um, then um, I was reading on the internet about with the kitchen, uh, you know, either replacing the whole kitchen or I saw one of those renovation shows where that you could um, pull the doors off and um, paint them and put them back on with new door handles and also to how to paint up a, uh, a bench top and it come up like a new kitchen for about $300 with with me just doing the labour and it must have improved the, the value probably by about five grand, five or eight grand. Keeping his portfolio conservative, he has a few solid investment properties which he is content with. We've got uh, two, two properties, yeah. And uh, I mean, we could probably push it if we wanted to you know, like borrow and um, uh, use the equity and buy other properties, but I probably think we've got enough, really. Over the years, Brown has learned to outsource professionals to complete work where necessary. I found that um, when it comes to like electrical and plumbing work, always get someone in that's professional to do it. Um, You can handle like, you should be able to handle painting, but sometimes that's even getting very price competitive where you could get someone in to um, just do the work for you. Um, because of the costs that people charge, I've really learned to um, yeah, learn to not to do everything myself, but to outsource um, to other trades. And I find that they get the job done better, and also maybe more cost-effective now than were probably what it was 20 years ago. Because, like, if you're going to put a nice fence up, you don't want to look dodgy. It's got to be done properly by a professional. Because in the end, there's there's you'll get a lot lot more capital gain when it's done properly than if you try and do it yourself. 
There were two moments in Brown's journey where everything slid into place for him, which encouraged him to take action. I just think with um, getting onto that uh, strata ball when I was in Sydney, with all that money that was there and no one caring was an opportunity to, um, well, why don't I get on the board and start getting people in to fix up around the building? I think that was an aha moment. Um, I also found that, um, look, I used to play football and uh, when I left school, um, one of the best coaches in the AFL sat down all these hopefuls and said, look, what you do in life between the ages of 17 and 21 usually sets you up for the rest of your life. And I went, aha, if I don't make any move here between those ages with what I want to do, whether it be football or whatever I want to do in my life, I probably won't do it. So I think what I did was work really hard between the ages of 17 and 21. That was a real aha moment when I went to that football clinic when I was about 17. And uh, I've really, really tried to make the most of every day that I've got. You've got to make good decisions in those ages. And if you don't, you've got to hang around with the right people, not with the wrong crowd. Otherwise, it's going to bring you down. You want to be around with people that want to improve their lives and do things. On hearing this advice, he has an initial goal to play football and study business. I wanted to play AFL football. That was what I was wanting to do. Because <laughs> well, I wasn't allowed to play League of Union. Mum and Dad wouldn't let me play because of the quadriplegic from the scrums at the times, which I was you know, grateful for when I look back. But um, they didn't know anything about AFL because they only just started up in Orange. So I said, I love playing this game where I can run around. You don't have to be big to be good at it. And um, it's a very skillful game. Um, that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to study business. I was always interested in business and commerce. I was good at those subjects at school. Um yeah, so uh, that's what I wanted to do. Some sort of business, I thought, or or some sort of government position like my dad, I suppose. People follow their, what their dad does, but it didn't really work out for me. However, Brown's business background was what helped him realise he wanted to start his own business. When I went to work for a corporation or, or a government department, I just thought, I can't stand this nine to five and grind in the ground. I've got no control of my life and putting my life into this and then it's not really what I want to do and it's just taking time away from what I wanted to do, you know. But you've got a trial, you've got a trial and error. I mean, that was a gift for me as a young person because I realised trying to climb a corporate ladder is not for me. I, I, instead of climbing someone's ladder, I'll make my own ladder. Inspired by Brown's property investing journey, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode on property investry. We'll talk about how to apply the strategy. Really, I wanted to get into Sydney, but in one of the inner ring suburbs uh, or middle ring suburbs. Success habits for property investing. Really have a good balance in your family life, I think. And that's next time on a future episode of Property Investory. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that only send out exclusively via email, you can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening.